Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Hello, and once again, welcome to MarketingMoneyPodcast.com. This is your host, John Oxford of Renaissance Bank and of JohnOxford.com and whatever else I want to be part of. And I have my co-host, compadre, brother in marketing, Mr. Josh Mabus of the Mabus Agency. Josh, tell him what's up. Everything. He is not had his coffee this morning. Anyway, I'm, we're no, here I'm, today. I, I just There's a Pokemon in the corner. Oh, we're playing that. We are playing that. <laughs> so uh, let's let's get the Pokemon out of the the elephant in the corner, the elephant in the room. Let's get the Pokemon in the room the out Pikachu, of the way. The Pikachu in the corner. Uh, yes, it's hot right now. Yes, there's an article on ababankmarketing.com if, depending on what time you're listening to this podcast, is posted the week of July 15th. Um, 2016. 2016, there is... Uh, some information from, I believe, uh, Chris Nichols, I believe his name, and wrote a nice article about it. So if you want to figure out what's going on with the Pokemon, you can. I actually have played it. It is fun, and it is very addictive. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is there's not even any reason for us to talk about it. Chris did a fantastic job giving an overview. And, you know, depending upon timing, um, you know, even from recording to those listening to this now, how much that app will change just because of um, how quickly it's evolving. But um, really cool Really cool thing. Um, people are getting outside and and walking around. And of course, the alarmists have um, their their alarms have gone off. Don't climb electrical poles and go into other people's yards. Things that should be common sense, most likely. But um, fun stuff going on and many opportunities to draw people into businesses. It's neat. It's different. Again, by the time this podcast posts, I wonder if it'll still be as popular. But like everything, it, it might be the Macarena of video games. But for whatever it is, it's pretty cool. And I suggest you try it if you haven't, just because it is kind of fun and it does get you using the augmented reality that uh, I think will be the next wave of video usage with mobile and digital. But today, Mr. Mabus, we are going to talk about direct mail. Well, I'm a certified direct mail expert by the U.S. Postal Service, so um, seems like you have the right co-host for the day. What type of benefits do they give you for being a direct mail specialist person, vice platinum president, whatever it is. I have a certificate. You have a certificate? I have a certificate. On your wall? In a drawer somewhere. It's a two-week course. It's probably lapsed by now, but, I mean, let's face it, since the the Pony Express, <laughs> the techniques haven't changed a whole lot. So, um um, as long as I've gotten it in the last um, 200 years, I think I'll be okay. Did they teach you how to use carrier pigeons? And then no, no, no. This is all post carrier pigeon, okay. um, Pony Express days. Okay. And there, there was not a history. So there's no animals involved no. in it. No, it, it's a two week course. Um, like I said, I don't even know if they offer it anymore. Very insightful about um, process and processing mail. It's all very. It's on the technical side, but um, luckily I have enough experience on the marketing side to marry with it that we should have an interesting conversation today. Well, let's get rolling on it. Direct mail, Mr. Mabus, what makes a good or great direct mail piece? Okay. And let's let's talk about 
I always go with my steps, my tactical steps, because I'm the the right angle guy on this stuff. But you've got creative, you've got your list, you've got printing, you've got process, you've got message. Tell what makes a great direct mail piece. I have to say it's the response. I mean, all of the other stuff that leads up to it, the creative, the list, and all of that, the only way to determine if you had a great direct mail piece is after the fact and the response. And that's why you see so many people uh, moving away from direct mail because there's this sense that it's not trackable or that it takes so long to assess the results. Well, first, to not be um, joking about it in the response, is, is your list. I've heard many, many numbers around the importance of a list, but supposedly the ethereal they say that 70% of the impact of a direct mail campaign is in the list, the quality of the list that you're mailing to. One, is it correct? Two, is it your correct are the addresses correct? Is it has it been deduped? Is it then is it the right target audience? Are you sending out a mail piece um, to your entire uh, bank client list about mortgage, but you didn't take out the people who already have a mortgage? So when you send it to them, it it reduces their confidence. You don't already have a mortgage. Do you not know I already have a mortgage? Then the quality of who it's going to. Are you trying to? Um, get a mortgage from a group of people who wouldn't qualify for one. So the the list, the, the, the honest answer is the list is the core of the implementation side, the front end side. To truly determine if you had a great direct mail piece is did people respond to it? And that, that gives another little layer of testing. Are you testing inside well, your direct mail? So I wake up and I listen to this podcast and I go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try direct mail today. And I saw a podcast on marketingmoneypodcast.com or I listen to it through ababankmarketing.com and uh, the next thing I think is I'm going to try some some new direct mail tactics and the list is the where you've got to begin. Oh, I guess your your first thought is strategy of what you want to mail to these folks. But let's say you decided on that because we're not going to get into specifics right. products. But well, your, your strategy is going to be determined by your institution yeah, and your mail. So we'll, we'll assume, since we talked about strategy, if you're, if you're a regular listener that you know we're going to tell you to do strategy. Yeah, so you've gotten your strategy. You know what you're doing. You're looking for a list. Tell me this. So there's external and internal. If you're internal, if you can get it through compliance, we always have to talk about the, the bear and everything we do, the compliance, the privacy. Let's say all that's taken care of. You've got an internal list, so you've definitely got some triggers there that you know they have certain products. You can really cut and slice and dice that thing up. On the flip side, what about an external list? How would you go about getting that? Mentioning that external list, that's where you absolutely should start, in my opinion, if you're wanting to capture more business because you have so much data on that list that's exclusive to you. I mean, imagine if... Talking about external or internal? Internal. I mean, okay. I, I want to start there to set up what you would look for in internal. If I told you you could go buy a database of bank customers and you would know their deposit amount, their credit history, their uh, their product mix, all of that. I mean, you would give $10, $20, $100 per name on that list, right? Well, and we're not – this isn't a big data conversation, but banks – of any entity in the country probably have the most data available because you can look at someone's debit card purchases. I mean, 
again, throw the privacy, the compliance out. Let's just talk about what you have. Whether you can use it or not is another question. But the data that banks have, other than health data at a, at a hospital or doctor's office, is probably the most personal data there is. And the fact you have an address, you have a demo on the person because they've, they've given their license, you probably hopefully have enough to know their age, obviously, their gender. So you've got data where you can really target with that. And then you've got what product they have with you. Well, the other thing you have in that data, and why I'm starting there, in establishing the value of your internal data. One is you should be using it first. You should be selling deeper to them. You should be making sure that they have sticky services so they do not leave your bank. You should be doing internal marketing before you look at purchasing a list. You absolutely should be. But the value of that data, you can turn around and use that data to then profile who you're going to buy from an external list. If you just go out and say, I want some customers, and I'll accept any of them, which we will, which we won't, but there is a, a customer, a type of customer. If you're a community bank, there is a type of customer out there that wants the smaller bank versus the big bank. If you're a B of A, there is a type of customer that will never, ever, ever bank with a community bank because they need to know when they're in San Francisco or they're in Chicago, they need to be able to walk into a physical location and have support. But you can look at your data. When I'm talking about data profiling, and if you begin to, your eyes begin to glaze over and you begin, one, there are great vendors out there, but you absolutely do not have to use a vendor to do this. You can assess your own data. Now, it may be a huge manual process, but you can at least get some, some overview of what type of customer you're dealing with to then create, if it's, let's not even use the word profile. Um, a general overview of what type of customer you might be looking into. We can build a profile. I would say profile. It's profiling. And so you, you profile the customer you want. By who you have. By who you have. And that's who would be most likely to use your products and services because they look like the people that already do. Right. There are those people. And, and let me throw this in because I'm an actuary in my mind. And I'm thinking about the people that say, but what about... And, and what I'm hearing in my own little world is the, but what about the people we don't like? We may have some customers we don't like. Well, if I have to tell you when you profile your customers to not make your profile like the people you, you don't do great business with, then please turn off the podcast <laughs> and delete the feed. You absolutely do need to use your own thought and intelligence in the profile to say, let's say you're short-staffed on um, CNI but you do a really great business in it. Well, please use prudence to not go out and do a a direct mail attraction campaign for C&I and, and um, just inundate your commercial staff that might that I said in our scenario is already understaffed. So use some prudence, but use who you do business with the best to influence the list you're going to buy. Well, oh, that's the first uh, and, and you've talked about the list and a, a tactic that I think some marketers aren't aware of is the every door direct mail, which is EDDM mailing. You can look it up on the Postal Service. And what it does is instead of buying a list, it's a totally different way of mailing. And instead of a list to specific households, it just blankets an area, a neighborhood, wherever the zone is. Carrier route. Carrier route. It, it blanks the carrier route. That's what you get when you're a 
the, the ability to use those words. You can use carry route because you have that degree, yep. and I just say it's a zone because I'm thinking yeah. of the way I do geo. No, it's a danger zone. It, it, well, there's a ride into it at some point. But uh, once we get out of the danger zone, let's talk about the EDDM. If you haven't heard of that, the reason I like it is because it hits everyone. Now you say, oh, but that's not targeted. But it hits everyone at a significant, significant cost decrease. And Josh, explain why it's decreased. You have this ability to go out by a list. A consumer list is going to be anywhere from five cents to 10 cents on average. But I mean, it can get up to a dollar, depending on the specificity of the criteria behind the list. You've got postage at 40 to whatever cents, let's say 40 cents as, as a mean value. All this adds up. You know, your average direct mail piece, consumer direct mail piece, is going to cost anywhere eighty to a dollar twenty, depending on the size of your list. Eighty cents to a dollar twenty. Well, with EDDM, the quote list goes away because you're mailing, you're blanketing an entire carrier route, and the postage is already included into that and, and is reduced. And I think it, as of now, it's about seventeen cents a mailing for the quote ability the list and the postage you add in you know whatever your mail piece costs um, you know let's say a 40 cent postcard and now you're at 57 cent I'm not going to quote printing for you but whatever you can get that print piece for there is a little bit of complication in this is that when you go directly to the US Postal Service to to get an EDDM list to start the process it limits it to 5,000 pieces of mail and you can mail multiple sets under 5,000. Or there are groups, print professional accounts, where you can go to a professional printing company and they can do um, enterprise-level massive mailing to EDDM and pull that and help you manage but, it. But that cost is a massive cost save. Yeah, I mean, just the postage cost. If you just consider the postage cost, it's about a third. Yeah. And, and but you have no targeting, no ability to target. You do not know who you're sending it to. It's a trade-off. Is, is the cost worth the saving and targeting and the effectiveness of targeting a market. We've done both at Renaissance Bank where I'm employed. And I like the EDDM because I think that you're going to hit the same customer perhaps anyway. And other than the four or five annoyed folks that say, I, want, I don't want you mailing me. I'm already a customer. I'm, you know, you're, you're grumpy old man, get off my lawn. Other than those types, it's really good because it hits everyone. I know you say, well, there's some you don't want, but the cost save you can do three or four different mailings for the price of one mailing, literally. And I know that sounds, oh, there's no way. There is because I manage the budget on it. And I look at it and I go, it's unbelievable that I can do three mailings for the price of one targeted mailing because my list is just everyone. And I can split it up. I can do one 5000 on Monday, but then do it again on Tuesday, another day. And so you can change your day for your, your limit. Right, absolutely. And since we're on an audio platform, we, you know, I would normally go to the whiteboard on this and do risk reward. You can target very specifically, and there are products and services that you should do that with. You are not going to send out a treasury management mail piece through EDDM. It just, you can't blanket the area with that. You might buy a list. So it's not mutually exclusive either. You can mix both tactics. But on your overall marketing, deposit, loan, things like that, your, your big macro, when the target winds up being everybody, and again, here's the here's the visual, the trade-off I would visualize is you can pay someone to help you profile data, and you can pay a lot for a list, and you can pay a lot and work on strategy, or you can just say, 
here's a generic message, attraction message for everyone in the bank, and we're going to try to pull every one of these these in. And then our sales mechanism is going to take over uh, from that point. So it really is a balanced argument. But again, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I recommend running an EDDM program for your general marketing and then using uh, targeted direct mail with more specificity, consumer marketing, corporate marketing, commercial marketing, and things like that. My strategy behind it, because again, we base everything on strategy, because you have to, you can't tactic your way out of anything, is internal target, external EDDM, and then your internals may also be getting both mailers, but your savings are worth it. And your internal is a little different message from your external. And so you can kind of run two mail routes and have a a target smaller list. So the cost is smaller just on the volume cost versus the EDDM where you're hitting everybody. And so you can kind of track two different. And besides, I I think if you're opening a new branch and you want to circle, do the whole, you know, one mile radius, two mile radius, circle the branch, mail everybody near there. The EDDM is great because even if you're saving money. And secondly, you're hitting someone who might not have known you even exist, especially if you're de novoing into a market or, or M&Aing in opening a new branch. You've got the ability to let everyone know that you want to let them know anyway, even if they're not going to be a customer. So that's a cheaper route that I, I really don't know if a lot of people know about every door direct mail. No, they don't. What we're talking about is branding, using EDDM for branding, for brand awareness, and then using targeted direct mail as your tactic for more product advertising, more targeted. So when, when you look at it that way, um, I believe there's a definite line of demarcation, but depending upon your budget, you absolutely could do both in tandem. Follow ABA Bank Marketing on Twitter at ABA Bank MKTG. That's A-B-A-B-A-N-K-M-K-T-G with the at sign in front to follow anything on Twitter to do with ABA Bank Marketing. Hey guys, ABABankMarketing.com is your source for bank marketing news, updates, and more. ABABankMarketing.com. August 1st through 31st, ABA is highly recommending you invite your lawmakers to come visit with you and see how we do things in the banking industry. Take your lawmaker to work August 1st through 31st. To find out more, visit ABA.com. We've talked a little bit about the list. And I would, I would agree uh, from uh, my decade and a half experience in this that the list is most important because that's what's going to target your results and come up with the best response. Pass the list. We've gotten our list. What's next? Well, I'm going to go ahead and ruin the end of the movie. Spoiler alert is I'm going to mention creative last. Well, the boat sinks in the Titanic. There was room on that door. For both I, I agree. They could have made it. That made I, me so angry. I mean, look, I've seen the diagrams. Again, we're on an audio platform. I could draw this out for you. Jack did not have to die. Plus, plus, let me let's not forget. She said, "I will never let you go," mm. and she immediately let Jack go. I mm. think that's. Um, mm. Mm. And also, spoiler: John Snow is still alive. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're gonna get. Evil. I just ruined it for. People yep. that haven't caught up, but yep. they've caught up because that was way, that was it, three it, weeks ago. Spoiler alert on this podcast. <laughs> Creative, I'm going to put last, even though my background's a graphic designer. Um, you know, I, well, I, I've seen horribly designed, 
I'm cracking myself up because I'm thinking of some of these direct mail pieces I've seen that are that are absolutely effective. So we've got list, and you know, let's say let's go with what they say, seventy percent. The next big slice of the pie has to be offer, and it's really going to split time with call to action because both of those are kind of inter- intertwined. You know, we talked about EDDM sending it out as branding, as brand awareness. And what some people hear is, oh, that's just saying, hey, we're open. Enjoy this new bank in your neighborhood. Well, and, and let me, for the marketers that work for banks out there like I do, I can't tell you how many times I have a, um, a community bank president or a branch manager that will call me up, and, and we have 178 of them. We're a, a mid, mid-sized bank that'll say, I need to do a mail piece, or we need an ad in the paper. They won't have any idea of the message, and, the, and it's not their job to. But they're asking me for that, but they don't have a message. They don't have an offer. There's no hook. There's no call to action. Just the other bank had a mail piece that some customer brought in, or I saw an ad in the paper. And I think my frustration is you've got to have a hook or an offer. There's got to be a call to action because we are a commodity. Let's not lie to ourselves. We are a commodity. We are checks. We are savings accounts. We are loans and a few other treasury services. You know, But people know what a bank does. And when you just say, oh, we need a mail piece, we need an ad. We're another bank amongst many. I don't mean to hark back to the, the free toaster and all that kind of junk from the past. But what do we offer? But other? what are you offering me to go in the door? And community banks, to pick on my, our little brothers, because we're mid-sized, but they're often just, we're your hometown bank. Well, there's a... a Great. Fa- I mean, there is the nostalgia and the fact that I like my hometown bank. I want to support them. I may have an account there and at the big account and at the big bank too for transactional purposes and travel and correspondence. But my my deal is is you've got to give me something more that's a benefit or a call to action to me than just, hey, we're here. Right. And I'm just gonna go sidebar soapbox for a second on community bank. I just read a report, so that's where my soapbox is coming from. That basically, and and I'm going to try to detail this in a column, maybe try to publish it through ababankmarketing.com, but I want to assess this research, raw research data, so you're getting this raw, people, that basically people don't know what the word community bank means or the phrase community bank means. And I'm not talking about consumers. I'm talking about bankers. That it means small, it means better service, it means hometown, it means, and I haven't heard a benefit in any of this raw data that I'm looking at, other than banks patting themselves on the back saying, we're a community bank, and nobody knows what that means. That's like saying, I'm a beige bank. Oh, okay, is there any inherent benefit in that? So when in this messaging portion of this, that we get into the offer and the call to action is, Say there's a new bank that De Novo's a broke ground. Everybody in town and that neighborhood's been wondering what they've been building, and they get a direct mail piece, and they say, we're here. You know, we're really painted into a corner into really what we can truly offer them. But I did see a bank do a neat awareness sort of direct mail that's on the gift end of things, but it was proactive. It was, it was kind of a reverse housewarming present. And the new bank in town sent everyone, our, our key, uh, key people in that neighborhood, potted plants and said, you know, we're here. Uh, Putting our roots down, something like that. Right. Yeah. And it was a, a kitschy little message, but it was kind of this reverse housewarming gift that was something that broke through the clutter. And, you know, w- w- when we talk about the commoditization of 
of what banking services, you know, let's look at another commodity, like pork belly. Well, banks are not nearly as delicious as what pork belly becomes. So some commodities are a little sexier than others. But generally, everybody knows, and you have to have a reason to come in and all of that. In future podcasts, we really need to explore, you know, what are those call-to-action tactics? How can we get out of the box? Or, or what can we check and see that might still be in the box, like gifts, like the free toaster? Well, well and, and one hook I've seen actually more than one bank do is mail out a, a nice glove that's a gardening glove at springtime and say, right bank, right glove, and then come in to get the other glove and they have a bunch of left-handed gloves in a closet and the person comes in and brings the glove in and then you match them up and then hopefully they open an account or you at least get a conversation. So I've seen some tactics that are a little pithy, a little corny, but I mean, it gets them in the bank. I saw, um, I had, I believe a Zappos sent me a big box, like a shoe box, came to my house and I opened it up and inside was nothing but a gift card sitting in the middle of it for 30 bucks. Come and use it on our website with Zappos com and I thought, hey, I, w- I would have never gone there because I don't just I, I just hadn't gone and bought, and bought shoes off the site, but I did. But it was interesting because it was a shoe box, it was big, and I thought somebody ordered something to my house where it was a misdelivery. You're definitely going to open it, and yeah, and I opened it up, and then there's a little gift card right in the middle of the box, and just nothing but airspace around it. And I thought, well, kind of creative. It got me to open it. It got me to look at it, and the call to action was now I've got a thirty dollar discount. They get me in their system. Well, so now they're gonna you know, bomb me with emails and whatever. And so now I'm, I'm in their system of customers. Well, it's like I said earlier, when I asked you the question, what would you give for, for an individual with the data that you have internally? Well, obviously Zappos.com believes that you are worth $30 to them. And if it's a gift card, if you never spend it, if you threw it away and treated it as junk mail, then they lose $0. It's a check. Call to action, call to offer, and we we can't get to it because those have to be specific to yeah. your strategy in your bank. But you've got to have one. Let's yeah. just say that you've got to have an offer. You've got to have a call to action. So and it can't be again soapbox redux. Uh, it can't be that we're a community bank and you should just move your. Yeah, I mean community banks. You're going to see them in your community. They're very active. They're in your rotaries, your kawanas. They're at the high schools. They're. And as a community bank, you're seen in areas where the big banks can't be seen, and that's your strategic advantage. Is you are with the people versus just on television or just big brand. On the flip side, though, that still as a consumer may not give me the reason to go to you. For instance, if I want an advanced mobile banking platform, the community bank may not be able to give that to me. On the flip side, if I need someone to handhold me through my accounts and help me, I want to be personal, uh, high-touch, you know, high-service, I might want the community bank. Each one has their own niche that they feel uh, greatly, so we're not picking on community banks. I'm uh, just... The ones that I have dealt with in the past, they feel like telling someone their community bank is a reason to bank there. And I say that's not a reason to bank there. That's just what you are. Well, that's, yeah, that's the basis of it. Let's not name a big bank, but the big banks can come in and bring a team for, say, a Habitat for Humanity. Oh, oh, I've seen and it. school a community bank. I've, so when you, you rest on that thinking that that is a – what we need to do is begin to determine – how to better articulate what that inherent benefit we What's your benefit is, and that's your offer, your call to action, by, your offer. By being a community bank or by being a big bank. or by, You know, I have an ATM on every corner. If you bank with us, the call to action may be, if you bank with us, you have free ATMs all over America because of specifically the Renaissance Bank reimbursement program. I mean, conditions apply. You know, see offer for details, all of, the, all of that. But um, there, there has to be something that I can't tell you what to do in your specific bank 
That should be the part where you're determining a strategy. What are you willing to give to get? Zappos was willing to give $30 to get a John Oxford into their – and look, they got super lucky – well, somehow they've data mined me. Whether it was I've made Amazon purchases before, whether it was I've I've bought something online from eBay, they've got a profile of me, which good for them. Right. Good but for likely them. they don't know that you host a podcast yes. and that you're an a quote influencer. They just got lucky yeah. that they sent you that piece, and now that's being mentioned. I need to, to, to I need hundreds to forward, of thousands. I need to forward this to them after. Yeah. This. But okay, so we've got our call to action. We is there a certain day? You should drop your mail. I know that sounds weird, but should it be the first of the month, the last month, the middle of the week? What I mean, I don't think it I don't know that it matters, but I'm just asking. Well, in banking and I'll let you speak more to this because it's on the banking side, but we have Super Fridays, Mega Fridays, whatever, Big Friday. You know, whatever we call it, Big Fridays, where the bulk of of potential paychecks were bi weekly, first Monthly, of the month. Yeah, they all hit on that, that same Friday. We're all of that. So that, so there is this supposed glut of available deposits out there. Well, because people have gotten their paycheck yeah. and they're looking at it and they're going to go into it, the ones that don't do deposit. There's money. Yeah, There's Technically, money. that is true, and we have to assume, therefore, that that would be when they're most willing to change. I approach those with, with a highly dubious eye because does that really mean that my – on my payday, do I really want to go through the problem of a banking change? But finances are on their mind during those times. Um, well, and, and to that point, I always say there's only three reasons you go in a bank. To open an account, to close a account, or to make a transaction. Well, if you are not doing direct deposit, which I, I don't know what percentage of the public does, but it's a large percentage now. But if you're not, you are thinking, I've got to go cash a check. I've got to do something with this money. So I think... All things being equal, it might be like half a percentage out of, I mean, out of 100, it's a small percentage, but it might give you a more advantageous day versus just a regular day, even though it's not, I don't think it's as big a deal as some people make it to be. No, is it not as big of a deal is there's an illusion of control. You can set a target date, and I think you should, but the truth of the matter, all due respect to my USPS brethren who handed me down this honor, if you think for a moment that your mail is going to hit the day you think it is, you're you're greatly mistaken. Yeah. So you can target a date or target. I mean, I believe it's more macro than that. It's you know send a, a home improvement HELOC message during the spring or during the early summer or or something like that. It's not really the day of the week. Timing is important though. You have to match it up. Let's talk about something real quickly on the creative side. Variable data. Data, data. Which one's correct? GIF. GIF. Or GIF? <laughs> Is it GIF or GIF? So well, let's well go- I'll tell you this. The guy that invented GIF says it's GIF. But I say it's GIF. But it stands for Graphics Interchange Format. And I don't, I've never seen a graphic. Well. So it's GIF. Anyway. There's a movie called Jurassic Park. It is. But that's, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so variable data is where you target the mail, and on the mail piece, it has either the person's name or imagery that would be more targeted towards that person. So it might come to me. I have a a family. It might be a picture of a family on vacation. If it was to a, quote, biggest buzzword, lingo, bingo word, millennial, who's single in a condo, and you knew that, you would see it might be a single person looking at their phone or something more likely in their lifestyle category, correct? Absolutely. Variable data is important. I would caution against this. Variable data can be dangerous. 
because as, as much as it can help the targeting, it can also, instead of a general EDDM, everybody mail piece, it can completely blow the target, too, if you miss it. Which happened at your house. Which happened. Are you going to show them? Show them the direct mail I, piece. I am, which happened at my house. I have a direct mail piece I brought in here just for this, and it's pretty beautiful in a bad way. It's a beautiful example. It, it has my wife's name on it, and then it says, to maintain your current heating system and talks i'm not going to get into who, who it was from it's from an air conditioning company clean out your wallet well it has my wife's name which is obviously a feminine name and after that's a comma and then it has a picture of man hands obviously a man with a man's wallet holding it out showing that he doesn't have any money in his wallet so it's cleaning out his wallet well my wife doesn't carry a wallet i mean and then secondly, the hands are the, that of a man, obviously. And so it's the messaging, and it shows a man the, is a man looking in his wallet, but it's going to my wife, and it doesn't match up anyway. And I don't know why we would be looking for a new air conditioner. I don't know how they even considered that because we just bought one. You said a beautiful example. It's a beautiful disaster. The, the, it, that's because that my why, point. why did they, you know, you've got the creative, which is funny that you're mentioning it versus me on the creative, but my problem is the strategy so we're switching hats on this, is why would they have sent you, why would they have mined your data to, to send you this piece to go to the extra expense of personalizing it when there's nothing in the system that might say that your air conditioner is cleaning out your wallet? Other than the fact that it is summer and we have high breakage and you do live in a, a preferred neighborhood, I would say, compared to the neighborhoods around you. So, so there may be some data mining, but the thing is, is what we said earlier about Zappos, variable data is the same way. Again, image personalization, name personalization. I very seriously doubt that anybody told them there was an option to put women's hands on there and to put a, to append the database with an M and an F for male and female. And then let's also face it in today's marketing world, that's offensive to someone that we would even say that there's a such thing as a man's wallet or a woman's wallet. Well, and to that point... If I was in the market or we were in the market, because it wasn't to me, it was to my wife, but if we were in the market for an air conditioning, the message might have been air conditioning unit. It might have been a good message. We might have looked and said, oh, and just blown past it. So I'm not saying specifically that the wrong image is going to throw you off the message. But I'm, don't. But, but don't. don't. That's the point is just don't. Yeah, if you're going to personalize it, then don't, don't fall down on the rest of the personalization. I did this outside the banking industry for a college that was – historically a women's college they had changed to admit men but it was still a university for women in the name well they couldn't rename charters and all this stuff just like banks but we had to market and, and let people know that men were admitted so we had to use variable image personalization to put males in these pieces in the mail piece, on, printed on the mail piece, so someone can see it. Because here's the deal. This is just like the Zappos example earlier. It's about getting open. It's about getting read. And, and if you tune out, if, you get, if you're a male and you get a piece for XYZ University for women, and you're a male, you have to assume that is not for you because it says for women. Now, look, branding aside, which it was a problem but couldn't change, you're going to throw that away because it's not for you. And that's the danger with this mail piece or even Zappos. You knew you opened that piece because you thought there might be shoes in there for you. Someone must have ordered this. could be an early Christmas or, or a birthday gift or whatever it could be. And that's go back and kind of full circle this. 
the difference between direct mail and junk mail is junk mail is mail that's not for me. Again, this is audio, so you don't know what I look like. You can go check out my picture at marketingmoneypodcast.com if you don't know who you're talking, who's talking to you right now. Although I do have gray hair and a gray beard, I got an um, AARP card in the mail a f- few months ago. I am 36, by the way. That mail was not for me. That was junk mail. And this piece, the only way it would have been for you is if your air conditioner was broken because it's obviously not for your wife because it's got um, a male-centric imagery on it. Philosophically or theoretically outside of strategy, what you need to make sure that you're doing when you create a direct mail piece on the creative side, on the list side, on the offer side, is make sure that you are sending direct mail for the person who is receiving it, not just for your institution. That's why it fails to say, we're open now, come by and see us. There are two very powerful words in advertising. Free is the most, so that's why we talk about free gift. And the other one is you, you being the other person on the other end. You listen to this podcast because it is for you. It is for financial marketers. If someone who doesn't do financial marketing is listening to this, woe be unto them. But it's free. But it's free. Exactly. For now. For now. It's just like Facebook. We'll, we'll start rumors that next year they're going to start charging. I also thought it, uh, when you, it reminded me of Creative when you were mentioning uh, different tactics to put on the, the call to action and the variable data stuff. I'm a graduate of the University of Tennessee, big supporter of the, the Vols, especially our, our football team. and my, my Not the roller hockey team? I like them too. Hey, top, like. Two? They are. You can look that up. But also the uh, girls' basketball program as well. Mm. The interesting part is they sent me a postcard, and it was a picture of the stadium at night, and then it had my name spelled out by the band going on the field as if it was halftime, and they were spelling my name out as they were playing Rocky Top or whatever. And so the postcard looked really cool. It was almost frameable because unless you just put it right up to your face, it literally looked like the band was playing. It was spelling your name and mm-hmm. and was taken at night and it's beautiful it was for you it was for me it said it, it said john oxford had the band all in their orange clothing with the stadium just the way it looks in the yeah. middle of a, of a well, halftime you, well you even said something i think that's very powerful that's worth interrupting you that it was almost like they were playing rocky top yeah i mean there was an it wasn't an audible card i think that's you know because th- those do exist but because it was so for you and such a visceral experience you could almost hear rocky oh top. yeah it was I I put the card on my desk, yeah. and so it, and people come in. Look, oh, look at that! Would you give a lot of money? No, I don't have money to give like that. But it was a pretty cool, and so the experience of it, it tied in. That was a great mail piece. Now, did it get a response from me? The reason it didn't is because again, I've got three kids and a, new, a newborn. I don't have money to just shell outside of my family right now at this point. But down the road, you bet I'm going to look back and go, you know, I'm going to support my university some more when I have the opportunity to. So. Again, it's it's legacy. It's knowing the right trigger. I was the perfect target for that it message. Was for you. It was for me, and it was free at the moment. So anyway, well, yeah. I mean, it was well, it was a free thing. You know, a, a conversation piece to put on yeah. your desk. So that being said, let's also talk about the. We've got our hook. We've EDDM. We've done our digital variable data. We've made a great variable data, not digital data, but it, it does use digital to place it. But anyway, so you've got all this stuff going on. Hits in the mailbox. What is the return we should expect from a direct mail piece? Well, the standard is 1%. Yeah, 1% to 1.5%. But, I mean, the return needs to be considered into the, the investment. And luckily, with, with bank marketing, we're talking about valuable accounts, valuable services. 
So, you know, a low response rate, so, so if national averages are 1%, if a commercial account, deposit account, is worth $10,000, which I've heard, it has never been substantiated to me. So do not ever quote and reference this podcast on that. I'm not going to stand by that. But if it really is worth that, and you send out 100,000 pieces of mail for for a um, dollar a piece, so $100,000 mailing, and you get 1% of that, which is 1,000 responses, right? Mm-hmm. That's worth $10,000? Why are you doing the mailing? Why aren't you doing the mailing? I mean, <laughs> you know, because you just got 10,000. I'm saying why, why yeah, you, yeah, that's ti- exactly why you're doing a, it. A, tith- a 10,000 to one yeah. response. A thousand, ten thousands is what, 10 million? I don't know. I think so. Yeah, that's 10 million for a, for a $100,000 investment, I think. So, Which is a qualitative value. I mean, it's. Right. So that's over time and da, da, da. Yeah. You know, you go through that. So you're probably not going to get a 1% response. So. One, you need to define the value of the response. How much is the product worth? What Also the halo effect, what else are you going to sell the new customer? And do you have a plan to do that? And what is the cost to do it? Not only just the mail, the postage, the creative, the time, the person when they come in. I mean, you've, you've got a whole scale of how you calculate that ROI. And that's true. And so on that, you know, I've kind of had this thing in the back of my mind since we started this. Maybe we should have opened with it. But if you made it through this far, God bless you. And you're wondering, why are these guys talking about direct mail when they could be talking about social media marketing? Because that's hot. Or millennials or whatever else. You know, geofencing in the past and tagline and general stuff. Why would they be talking about direct mail? And I'm going to tell you the reason I still gravitate to direct mail. Because everybody else is talking about those things and they're, they're chasing those tactics. Facebook is, quote, free. We know it's not to, to place ads and things like that, but, but, but sometimes executive management may think it is. People are running to that. They're chasing the fads. They're doing all this. What I have found is just like as the tide pulls back, the tide is pulling us towards this fad-based stuff that may, that may stand up, but it's pulling it away from direct mail. And so you're seeing less and less direct mail. There are students, millennials and younger, where likely the people listening to this, us, we were forced to sit down at some time in grade school and, and, and have a pen pal. And we wrote letters. And it was super cool to have that experience of going out to the mail and opening this thing that was hand-addressed. And there's a group, there's a generation now that has never had that experience. Even email as passe to the millennial now. And the millennial and all these people we keep talk, we talk about, we hear them talk about authenticity. I would say offer all this stuff aside. What if that offer was a more personal connection with your financial institution? And it was a handwritten letter from the branch manager, the person, to a deposit, a potential deposit holder, and just say, and, and we really did personify what community bank really is. I sit down and write you a handwritten letter, and I pop that in the mail and send it to you. When that piece of mail comes in to Mr. Millennial 22-year-old who hasn't gotten a piece of direct mail in their life, or at least a personalized piece, at least a personal correspondence, grandma didn't send them a birthday card because they posted on their Facebook wall. And, And I want you to imagine with me this vacuum of contact in this medium 
and I want you to see how much that would stand out. Well, I think to that point, it reminds me of uh, the Peyton Manning commercials. I'm a, no, I'm a UT guy, so sorry for being a homer on this, but personalized letters that he wrote to people that affected his career. And when they play that commercial, for it was a Gatorade or ESPN or whomever did it, one of his sponsors, it shows that he was personal and thankful and humble. But I think the fact that people are holding up these letters, reading them, you, no one does that anymore. Well, it and gives, so you, it it gives was, you chills. Why? Because it was a personal connection. Because it was absolutely to the recipient. And the part is that frustrates me that I hope my bankers that I work for and work with do this is it gives you it, it anyone can do it. It's not like, oh, we've got to have a billion dollar ad budget to go do these ads and this digital and this geo and all that. It's a piece of paper and your handwriting. To your point on that, I'm sure everyone listening to this is in the same boat that you are that has that person that calls that that MLO, that LO, that bank person who calls and says, Hey, I need you to do some marketing for me. We always do do some marketing. I would invite you to go over and have a stack of 50 pieces of letterhead and, and envelopes with a nice pen and say, this is what I want you to do for me. And that seems very smart alecky, combative. But again, let's go back to looking at that value and knowing the importance of you, of me receiving mail to me. And the fact that that banker needs some action. I mean, they send out 50 letters, personal letters. And again, I'm sure there are people that I feel like this is profound and you're just rolling your eyes. Not you, John, but the audience. I can feel the collective eye roll. You're going to stick out. You're going to stand out for the right reasons and make that personal connection with somebody. And you've, you multiply that those 50 pieces of letterhead times 50 bankers. You're going to get a higher response than, than normal. There's going to be a buzz about it, and you're going to stand out in the marketplace. Well, and there's for the community banks, if you're still listening to this, there are many places where you can do that. Eagle Scouts, you know, I know it's old school, but in the paper, cutting people's pictures out, especially ones that are your clients, send them a personal letter with it laminated. I mean, there's all types of simple, inexpensive tricks you can use that personalize that touch and feel for a community bank that they have way more time and effort uh, and abilities to do than a, than a bigger bank. Uh, so to wrap up this podcast, because we've been droning on a little bit about direct mail, most important thing to do is the list is, as Josh said, 70%. Is that what you'd say of the importance? That's what they say. That's not what I, I repeated what they said. Well, whoever they is or they are says 70% is important. So the list is your first uh, item of importance is to get a good list. Second is decide if it's if it needs to be targeted. If it's internal, external, make sure you dedupe uh, to get an accurate list. Profile it. Make sure it profiles the client you want unless you're doing every door direct mail to save money and hit a large swath or area or carrier route, as the professionals say, whoever they are. That's actually the U.S. Postal Service. So there is a there. It is their system. Um, make sure your design matches the offer and is what it needs to be for the person if you are using variable data and trying to hit an exact target. Make sure the design is what it needs to be and doesn't doesn't kill the offer just on aesthetic. Also, it does need to have a call to action and clearly tell the customer what you want them to do, not just we're here, drop by, even though drop by tells you it needs to be a little more specific. So uh, have a hook in there. 
Timing is important, but not as important. But there are events like Big Friday or a new campaign rollout or you're new to the community or say you have a TV social media campaign going. It's nice to throw some direct mail with it, make it all match up so you have that going. Uh, let's also talk about testing it. Make sure you look at what comes into your bank. Test, 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 dedupe, dedupe, get that target down. If you're going to do a continual direct mail cycle, if someone gets the mail piece, opens the account, and you have the list, dedupe them out of the account, out of the list for the next mailing if you're using the same list over and over and see how you can get your return. Expect a 1% return is about industry average. Anything over one and a half, I'd say, is excellent. Anything under one is not a fail, but depending on the value and the target, again, that goes into strategy. All that being said, good luck with your direct mail. It is not necessarily a dying medium, but one that's got a lot less emphasis over the past few years with the digitalization of communication. And then there's opportunity in that. There, There is. When everyone is zigging, maybe you should zag. I like zagging. So anyway, for... Zag hard. When you zag, zag hard. Uh, whatever. For MarketingMoneyPodcast.com, this is John Oxford and Josh Mabus. We are out. Later. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.